0: This message, the magi. I think that's pronounced correctly, like magic. Now, believe it or not, when I was a young boy, when we were young children, some of us, including myself, would celebrate what's called Three Kings Day. I don't know if you ever did that. And I remember, just like what people would do with another character who is a figment of men's imagination santa claus we would put out hay on the porch and we put out uh, like a basket of goodies for the three kings and that's what we do on january 6 ever did that before that's what i did and i truly believe that that was what i should be doing now well i don't do that anymore I'd like to recall uh, the uh, efforts of the Magi in acknowledging the birth of Christ because this is an example of something that's way out there in left field that is totally unexpected. But it shows, again, the power of God. There are three clear observations that I want to note from this passage that we read earlier from Matthew chapter 2. I read earlier verses 1 through 12. First, the Magi were looking for a king. Now, they may have been kings themselves actually, but for sure they were wise men. Wise into salvation particularly. They were actually astrologers that worked in the royal court of the king of Persia. Now that's the, the kind of the evidence uh, bearing on this particular story. Okay, uh, I heard someone say that there were actually kings from different parts of the world, even going so far as China, that that met up in somewhere in in the Middle East and then came and looked for the Christ Child. But but for sure they were. Magi, they were astrologers, and that's why they were called Magi. And part of the job description of the Magi was to make the king of Persia shine, look good. And that before the world. But they can be useful in other ways, by helping get rid of the competition, like the sorcerers and magicians, if you recall, in the courts of uh, Pharaoh, who went head-to-head and toe-to-toe with Moses and Aaron in trying to outdo the miracles of God. The king of Persia called himself king of kings. This was a terminology that was already in use by the pagans. But in this case, the Magi wanted to promote another king. Hmm. Apparently, the Holy Spirit worked in their hearts to acknowledge the only true and living God. And we know that God is able to do this, and we have some examples, not not a lot. For example, Nebuchadnezzar is a prime example, I believe, of someone who was evil and tyrannical and wicked, slaughtered thousands, maybe even more, of, of his subjects, who persecuted the Jews in their captivity yet whose heart the Lord opened. And I'm just going to read to you uh, uh, the account of Daniel in chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, where Nebuchadnezzar is is quoted as uh, saying, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in mine house and flourished in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts upon my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore, made I a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known unto me the interpretation of the dream. Remember a story like that previously? Joseph, the dreamer. Then came in the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. And I told the dream before them. But they did not make known unto me the interpretation thereof. We jump down to 34 through 37. And at the end of the days, I, and Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes into heaven. And I have to say this that between verse 7 and verse 34, there's, there's a, a series of events. There was a life changing experience, a transformation that took place in the wilderness. And this may have been over a period of over a year or more. That this happened. So there's a, 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 a time interval here. So at verse thirty-four, Nebuchadnezzar is a changed man. At the end of the days I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes unto heaven, and my understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praise and honor him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will. In the army of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand, or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me. And my counselors and, the, and my Lord sought unto me. They sought unto me. <laughs> and I was established in my kingdom. And excellent majesty was added unto me. And listen to this. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. All whose ways are truth and his way is judgment. And, whose, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase beginning with moi, meaning himself. And so we know the Lord is totally capable of, of doing it, even to those that are at the pinnacle of this present life. The Magi noticed the star of King Jesus. Did they not? And after all, they were in that business of being stargazers, and although God forbade divination, says that, for example, in Deuteronomy chapter 18. And that includes astrology, by the way, also in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and in Isaiah 47. For this one special event in history, God, who rules the heavens, chose to reveal himself to pagans in this manner. And I all thought, Magi, how can we justify searching for this special king <laughs> especially when we serve another king who is going to want to know what we're about why we're making this trip and again often kings would send their emissaries to other new rulers in the realms to let them know, you know hey you know, welcome and also hey just remember we we're here before you and also as I pointed out maybe to get the upper hand and be able to incorporate these other up-and-coming empires. And so off they go on this mission of a lifetime. The newborn king, the Bible identifies as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And when they arrive in Israel, what do they do? They make their way to the court of King Herod. And that usually is the reasonable thing to do. And so in Matthew chapter 2, if we go back to it, I'd like to reread verses 2 and 3. Saying, saying that is to King Herod, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When, king, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. The jealous king demanded next to have his uh, own scholars the chief priests and the scribes Pharisees to let to inform him from their scriptures where Christ would be born and so we see that in the following verses 3 through 6 how he ascertained this information from them he gathered all the chief priests and scribes together and had them search the scriptures and find out where Christ is born and of course they did and they came up particularly with one prophecy, Micah 5.2 so I'd like to turn to it a very, very significant prophecy Micah 5.2 But thou, Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. So they were able to ascertain for the king where he would be born. And there's more than one Bethlehem. This one is located close to the capital. Which is Jerusalem, and that is Bethlehem Ephratah. But also, I might note, there is a part of that prophecy in Micah 5.2 that is left out, that is at least not mentioned by the writer Matthew. And what is that? Whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. That's significant to leave out. Would you not agree? (laughs) In other words, this king didn't have his beginning there in Bethlehem, but even further back in time and in space in eternity past. Who else could this be but God? Jesus is the everlasting God. As it says in the New Testament in John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory the glory as of the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. King Herod set off the Magi to find the newborn king, and he even told him, them where to go, but actually they didn't need his help because they had the star, right, to lead them to the very place, the very location ground zero of his birth but he said to them in their departing when you find him get back to me so that i too may go and worship him <laughs> god used the magi to prompt those who had the scriptures to study their very scriptures but isn't it ironic that the chief priests and scribes didn't really believe the scriptures because had they, they would also be in search of this one who is the fulfillment of all their scriptures, their very Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. King Herod didn't really believe the scriptures either, did he? Had, had, he had he truly believed the scriptures, he would not have persecuted Christ. But the pagan wise man did. Believe the scriptures. Next, when the Magi found Jesus, they worshiped him and gave him gifts. This is the other thing that we we know. This is the other clear observation that we must take account of. They took a road that led them south to Bethlehem, about six miles away from Jerusalem. Now, the rest of their journey from this point on was not all that long. In fact, it was downhill. And look, they saw the star again appear, and they rejoiced with exceeding great joy, it says. And then when they came to the stable itself, they saw the king of kings there, laid in the manger in that feeding trough of animals, the very bread of life who would give life to the world in the feeding trough of goats and cows and pigs and sheep. King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the, and the Magi rejoiced with joy unspeakable and full of glory. It was even greater than when they saw the star because now they see the day star from on high who has now come to earth in human form in flesh and blood. And it says in verse 11, And when they were come to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him what? Gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They literally fell on their faces before Jesus. Have you ever fallen down like that before anything or anyone? I remember as a Roman Catholic doing that before statues. But where are you, Jesus, where I may fall down and worship you? How about in prayer? How about on our faces before the living and true Savior? And the Magi gave gifts. Oh, did they give gifts? Gifts fit for a king, but very unusual gifts, at least two of the three. Uh, Gold, we understand. Gold is a symbol of divinity, even as Jesus is God. Frankincense is this white resin material, which is highly fragrant when it's burned. And is offered up as incense in worship, such as in the tabernacle and in the temple worship of the Jews. This gift was a symbol of his willingness to become a sacrifice for his father. And so God would become a sacrifice. As it is said in Hebrews 10, 7 and 10. I'm going to turn to it just so that you have further corroboration about who this baby is that's in the womb, that is in the uh, manger in Hebrews uh, 10. uh, This is quoting the words of God in the Old Testament in the Psalms. Then said I, this is Jesus speaking in uh, his uh, pre-incarnate, State in his speaking to the Father, he's talking to the Father. Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. That's seven. And then verse ten by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So he comes in the volume of the book. To do his will, he has given a body, the body of Jesus Christ, which is offered up once and for all for our sins. And then also myrrh. Myrrh is a spice of Arabia from a tree like frankincense used for embalming purposes. And it's to be a picture of Christ's sufferings and death on the cross. It is sometimes mingled with wine and has this stupefying effect. And so Jesus not only received myrrh at the manger, but at the cross. It says in Mark 15 that they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. And that is, of course, to deaden the pain or to show uh, some consolation to the suffering son of God says in Matthew also, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall, which is myrrh. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink it. While the religious leaders knew where the Messiah would be born, they did not join the Magi, as I said already. For all their knowledge, they failed to act on that. And that's sadly, sometimes what happens to believers is that we tend to make the things of God same old, same old, if you will. We might not expect the Magi actually to worship Jesus when you think about it, especially when they found the conditions in which he was born, not in some luxurious, palacious blue room in, a, in, a, in, in, a, in Jerusalem, but rather in a cave that wasn't the case. They worshipped him. If God's professed covenant people will not honor him, God will change pagan hearts and give them that ability to love him. In this instance, God called the wise men from Persia all the way from far away to be his people. The most unlikely, as I said, in another prophecy by Hosea, I will call them my people, which are not my people, and her beloved, which is not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, you are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. So what does this do as you think about this and as we apply it now to ourselves? does this not give us hope? Does this not give us hope that, that if God could save the likes of, of these and past church biblical history, no matter how far out there they are, how far gone they are, as far as, as far as the true faith is concerned, that he could save anybody. Even those who are sitting in the shadow of death. And then lastly, the Magi protects their king, according to verse 12 in our passage, if we turn back to it, in closing. And being warned of God in a dream, that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. They slipped out the back door, as it were. They slipped out the back door. The Magi needed a supernatural revelation to warn them not to return by the way of Jerusalem as they were demanded by the king, right? And this, again, is suggestive of their naivete. And so often, as new believers, we are very simple-minded. And and so their simple-mindedness is really what, as it were, saved the baby Jesus. Compare that to the murderous shrewdness of Herod. And yet the Magi were in many ways, in many things, wiser than most men. Like little children that the Lord says that are strong in faith, giving glory to God. As many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. This is what the Lord did for the Magi. Jesus is in in deep enemy territory. Satan, the God of this world, has blinded the hearts of millions, even at that time. But Christ must be kept for the day of redemption when He shall offer up Himself as that supreme oblation unto God the Father on the cross of Calvary for the atonement of the sins of his people. And so in the meantime, he is safe and sound, thanks in large measure to the Magi. In conclusion, let me ask some questions. What motivated the Magi? Was it their political power they did well in some authority, did they not? And as I pointed out, they may have actually been kings themselves in their own right. But no, it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Was it their magical arts, their being stargazers? God uses these, their arts, and, their, and, and, and those that implement them and employ them On this expedition to worship the only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. Was it their great learning? They were wise men, after all. No. It was a different kind of wisdom. As Paul would say to his son in the faith, Timothy, how he was made wise into salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. That's a different kind of wisdom. That's not the kind the world comes up with. Because if the world came up with, with a, a savior, it would be this militant, conquering, vanquishing hero that would take over the world and become numero uno that way. But no, Christ's kingdom was not of this world. Because if, his, if it was, his servants would fight to set him free, and they didn't. That wasn't the plan. The plan is that he would lay down his life. For his enemies and making his friends. And so that's what the plan was using the wise men, saving them, making them children of God, so that our Lord Jesus may finish the work that he was sent to do. And in this way they understood who holds the whole world in his hands and them, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand? Do you understand who holds you in his hands? Who holds you in life? Who gives you every good and perfect gift? Who gives you everything? Everything. Down to your being able to come here and to worship him. Even that ability and that desire and that passion for Christ. You walk by faith and not by sight. Because remember this, that not everything that glitters is gold. Kingdoms may rise, kingdoms may fall. Kingdoms may refuse to heed God's call, but the word of the Lord endureth forevermore. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Shall we pray? Oh, Father in heaven, thank you that we can rehearse the history of redemption at this epical juncture, at this pinnacle juncture of the history of redemption, at the coming of the very God of heaven into this world to save the world from destruction, to save a people for yourself that will glorify you as you have, Lord, created us to do, Oh Lord, thank you and praise you for this opportunity to reflect upon this. And may this indeed be helpful and encouraging to us at the beginning of this new year, as we know that we have a kingdom that shall not be moved, that cannot be moved, because it is the kingdom of your dear Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. Let us sing our last.